Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Our podcast today is accuracy. It drives me nuts. Accuracy is one of those relative topics, like relativity. It is a moving target. <clears throat> what's a what's accurate for me might drive you just absolutely batty with how picky it is. And for others, it's nothing close. I mean, machinists can talk about a tight fit or a really tight fit or a super tight fit, and they're talking ten thousands. My standard of uh, of tight is two thousandths of an inch. So I have a two thousandths feeler gauge by my bench so I can check a joint and check a shoulder on a mortise and tenon and see if it's tight enough. On the other hand, you have folks who make silicon wafers. Flat is really important to them. And so this idea of accuracy is uh, is a very changeable, movable, movable thing. Um, Bobush, my friend, uh, he called himself a bus driver. He uh, shot um, rockets up into the sky. And uh, what you put on the nose of the rocket is called a bus. So he called himself a bus driver. His need for accuracy was very important. And yet, um, I don't know that I could do that at the bench. See, I work in a world where I'm at constant odds with myself, my tools, my wood, and this image of what I want this piece to look like. It's not manufacturing, really. It, it, I'm building stuff, but it's, a, it's an area of, of creativity that is working towards uh, several goals, several goals at the same time. So I think we're working towards uh, trying to do excellent work and build a nice piece and to make it as accurately as we can stand to do because <laughs> that's the real issue. Um, there were days uh, back when I was just doing commission work before I started the studio and uh, there were days at the bench and I would be just picking nits on a job and I knew it and I'd start this conversation in my head about, hey, you can't afford to do this, and oh, I want to do this, and going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, it just got to the point where I would stop and say to myself, is it important enough to do that you're you're willing to not be paid for this time? Then if it is, shut up and do the work. Otherwise, if it's not important enough, back off. And so understanding... Um, where you have to fit with a particular job, a particular project, uh, becomes an important uh, consideration. Now, accuracy to me has changed over the years. I used to struggle, oh my goodness, um, with my joiner to try and get it square. I barely look at it now. I try and get it kind of square. But I also know that once I, once I square up a face and an edge, you know, I'm, I'm working with wood here. Not working with plastic or metal or titanium. Um, things move, and I can fix things. I think one of the one of the most important um, things I have in my toolkit now is that sense that I can fix most anything, most any problem, most any situation that comes up. 
Um, so I don't sweat it so much. Uh, I used to spend hours trying to get my joiner fence square to the table. And it took me, I don't know, <laughs> many years before I realized that there was a little bow in it. Um, and this caused it to be out of square just where I needed to, to check, just behind the joiner knives on the outfit table. And, um, and as a result, what I learned that I had to do was set it out of square in order to get square results. Well, once I learned that, then it was easy. And I could set it up to do that. Nowadays, uh, I set it square. But uh, I used to worry about, okay, I was edge joining two boards together. Okay, I got to get both. I got to get the, both edges square, you know, so they go together square. And now, since I've done a lot of hand plane work and, and shrewd edges uh, and shot edges uh, with a hand plane, I recognize that all I've got to do is flip the faces to the fence. So I have the show face on one board facing out and then on the matching board have it facing in. And then if the fence is out by a little bit, the two edges are going to line up perfectly, making a supplemental angle. So if it's 89 on one, it's 91 on the other. It's never that bad, but just that little sense of things uh, has made a huge difference in how I approach uh, accuracy. Um, you know, the, the issue that pops up for us is that uh, I think most folks would love to be as accurate as they possibly could be, but they just don't have the patience. They don't have the, the time, the, the, the inner clock uh, that can slow down enough for them to be patient enough. Now, you get on the table saw and you're, you're going to set a stop, use a crosscut slide or something, and tap it. You go too far, you got to tap it back, and you go too far, you tap it back and forth and back and forth. Um, and this sort of stuff can, can really uh, test you. So I understand that uh, you know we have this need as, as woodworkers to be as... Uh, Oh, anal about things, um, as any out there. Uh, and then at the same time, you just have to, uh, you have to cut yourself some slack. Um, and not, I'm not saying do bad work. I'm not even saying doing, do, you know, second rate work. I'm saying do work that doesn't, doesn't drive you nuts. doesn't just drive you crazy. I'll tell you little story. I was doing a commission piece uh, for a synagogue, and um, I, was doing, I was doing two lecterns for them. And I had won a competition to do the, do the job, and, and it was a big deal to me. The job was important. Uh, I'd won a competition, and I really wanted to do a, a, a great job. I, I thought this was, a, this was an important piece. Um, and I remember I, I spent time on the inside of the piece. This piece had everything in it. It was, it was a lectern, so it had you know sort of a tilted top, but it had a pull-out shelf for the Torah, and it had a pull-out shelf for the little little kids to get up during service and, and speak. There was a microphone. There were drawers. There were carved columns on the front and a coopered front. Um, to it, there was leather-lined top. There was there was all sorts of bells and whistles on it. Big job, and I would be fussing around with stuff, thinking to myself, "Boy, I hope the guy who or gal who who uh, uh, 
fixes his peace, you know, decades from now, really appreciates what I've done here. <laughs> Just what an idiot. Because <laughs> when I delivered the piece, I saw the two lecterns that I was replacing just sort of thrown in the hallway. I went, oh, right. Yes, exactly. That's what's going to happen to mine in, in some, some time, in a few years. Who knows when? Um, I, think it's, I think it's terribly important to do, to do good work. I really do. I think it's, it's good for you, and it's, uh, well, it makes a difference in the piece. But over time, you, you recognize that uh, very few people will, will see that effort, uh, those, those blood, sweat, and tears, those moments. Um, and yet they're, they're still important to, to put into the piece. So accuracy for me uh, can change. I can, uh, there are some pieces I just want to blast through them. Uh, and I'm just perfectly happy uh, getting close. Uh, and then there are other times when it's, it's very, very important to get it just right. Uh, sometimes it has to do with uh, who the piece is for. Sometimes it has to do with what's visible. Uh, I know when I do my stool project, I fuss with those uh, through mortise and tenon joints because I want them to look good. I want them to look good. And so that's uh, effort well spent as far as I'm concerned. That's effort well spent. Um, but I used to, I used to sand everything. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. The palm sander and I, yes. Close friends. Um, and uh, I would sand everything. I would sand the inside of my cabinets. I would sand the sides and the insides of my drawers. I would sand the back of my drawers. That's craziness because nobody cares. And finally, uh, when I really learned how to sharpen and, and use hand planes, I recognized that I could just take a hand plane to this, to these surfaces, to these inside surfaces, and leave hand plane marks behind. Heck, in Roadshow 2075, it's going to be worth more money. They're going to say, oh, look, look at the hand plane marks here. They're so valuable. <laughs> Instead of this nonsense of sanding, I just take a hand plane to the inside of the camera. I take a hand plane to the inside of the or both sides of my drawer sides, both sides. And I choose the wood carefully. I'm always paying attention to grain direction, so I'm not getting tear out. Uh, if I am getting tear out, then I'm going to use a scraper instead. I know I used some uh, sycamore drawer sides one time, and I was getting nothing but tear out. And so I switched to a cabinet scraper and used that for my fine-tuning. Um, but that kind of recognition... And it's still accurate work, but it's a different way of getting there. That recognition of what's important and uh, what you can speed the process up on is, uh, is valuable. Go look at old pieces. Old pieces tell you so much. I, it's, I'm, I always take on repair jobs. you got a repair job, send it to the studio. I'll do it for you because uh, they're fun. They're fun to look at. They're fun to tear apart and say, oh, look how someone built this. I wouldn't have done that. I would have done, oh, or look at the way they did this. That's tremendous. What a great idea. Um, so repair work is, is really fun. Plus, when, when a piece has exploded and, they, and someone walks in, uh, I had this um, um, fish. It was a giant fish. It was a giant, um, there were like um, sharks and whales and like six fish. And they were all on a mantelpiece. And someone was working on this, this guy's house. Uh, these were carved wooden fish. 
and whales. And um, someone was working on the chimney, and I don't know, they were jackhammering or something, knocked all this stuff off the mantelpiece and onto the floor, and they broke. But they saved all the pieces, and they brought this pile of, of chunks of wood and the big pieces to me, and they said, can you fix it? I was like, yeah, I can fix it. Um, and the challenging part of that job was just figuring out how to hold the fish so that I could, I could do a rub joint with hide glue and just set the piece in place and walk away for a couple hours and let the glue set. There was no way to clamp this stuff because I was gluing back carved pieces. So, um, so very precise work, uh, but sort of loose at the same time. Anyway, there's there's a lot of stuff to be learned by uh, uh, seeing what a particular maker did uh, to be accurate and where they didn't care and where they did care. And so working on old pieces is just fantastic. It's a, it's a treasure trove of information. And you look at these antiques in, in the museums, and some of them are just barely held together. And others, you know, you see the dovetails and the problems with them, and, you know, where they cut through uh, on a on a line or cut past the gauge line. The 18th century uh, drawer makers would saw past the gauge line on the inside of the drawer. They didn't care. wasn't being seen. Um, just fascinating to see that, that sort of stuff. Um, so what are the standards that you want to work towards? And do they drive you crazy? <laughs> or is it just great to meet them? I did a, a big piece uh, uh, for a client years ago. Uh, and then wrote some articles about it uh, for Fine Woodworking Magazine. And it was a 400-hour piece. And um, I did inlay on the piece. And the inlay took about 35 hours. Um, seven ginkgo leaves. Those leaves that are sort of the logo of our podcast um, homepage. And um, that work was incredibly precise. The doors had already been made. I was telling my students about it last week, and they were like, you were carving with the doors already built? What happened if you slipped? And their response is, you don't slip. So yes, I had the doors built, and I believe they were hinged. They They all fit, and then you had to do this incredibly precise work. This is the sort of work that David Pye writes about, um, workmanship of risk versus workmanship of certainty. And um, so that inlay work was workmanship of risk. And I always left my, always still leave my inlay raised up so I can pillow it or carve it. And for those ginkgo leaves, I was carving them so that I could have a leaf fold over on itself. Sometimes the leaf was flush with the surrounding surface. Sometimes it was well above it. But everything was smooth to the touch, no sharp edges. And yes, it was risky. And that kind of accuracy, shut the door, turn on that light, turn on the right music, and pay attention. That sort of focus was so much fun. So much fun. Um, You know, you're milling up uh, parts for 25 pieces. Accuracy is important. It doesn't give you the same sense that uh, doing something uh, like that inlay work did for me. So it, it depends a, a little bit on, uh, on the job. It always depends on you and, and what your level of patience is for, uh, for this 
picky work. But if you have it, then the work is very rewarding. And that's, uh, that's why I do it. That's, that's it. Because it's so satisfying to slow down in this fast-paced world. Slow down and, uh, and focus on something uh, right at the bench. As I say, slow down. I'm in a hurry. Well, thanks very much for listening. This is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Northwestwoodworking.com. Please check out our schedule of classes. Uh, I think the next podcast, because I didn't get to it in this one, is about sharpening. What is sharp? What is sharp? Boy, there's a lot of answers to that simple question. There's a lot of answers. I'm looking forward to chatting with you next. Take care.